0: Welcome back to the couch gm podcast after another week of load management we are back matt how does it feel to be back matt chamberlain i'm doing fine are you okay <laughs> you know i think i'm i'm, I'm better
1: um <laughs> you've had time to recover from that dame dagger
0: yeah though I, I i you know i am still hurt there's a lot of healing going on right now in my household um i was watching that game and like when i realized he was gonna settle for that i was like okay i feel pretty good about like going to overtime and then as soon as the ball left his hand i was like crap this scene is over <laughs> like, eh, it was. like it's just like one of those things you watch basketball or you play basketball like you can just tell like once it's out of someone's hands like man that's going in yeah you can and in just that moment yeah it, it was all dame it was all dame good for damian lillard like, I oh, oh my gosh, yeah. like, oh, oh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Podcast, or excuse me, out at NBA Couch GM Pod, man. Struggle bussing. This load management that is rust. really, really, really uh, killing me. I took a LeBron James week and really didn't come back with any effort whatsoever. Uh, if you haven't already, remember to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Or Stitcher, and give us a rating or review, and we would really appreciate it. Matt, what happened in episode twenty-five?
1: So the last time we recorded, we we talked a bit about the Magic Johnson and Lakers situation, um, that fiasco. But then we also got into Luke Walton, Dave Yeager, Larry Drew, and J.B. Bickerstaff, um, no longer with their old team, but Luke Walton getting picked up by sacramento as their head coach we also um as our main topic talked about the east and west um first round Those those series were just beginnings we're only a a game or or two in last time we recorded we now know how those finished up pretty much we expected um for the most part but still some some really good games my game slash series of the week to watch was philly brooklyn I, i talked about game three i had predicted Philly would beat Brooklyn in Game 3, 109-106. They did beat them, but the score was 131-115. <laughs> to 115. After, after that Game 1 debacle, Philly just got
0: red hot. I mean, we kind of reversed our Game of the Week picks, like how yeah, the scores the score ended up score.
1: being... Because Ryan, in his game series of the week, he, he talked about Houston and Utah. He had picked Houston 125 to Utah's 103. Turned out the Rockets won 104-101. So, yeah, just flip them, and, and we were pretty much spot on. Um, but that one still ended pretty much how we thought Rockets ended up just taking the Jazz town.
0: Yeah, that was uh, uh, not a good series, as no. some would say. Uh, not a good look for the Jazz either. Kind of got a 8-2 and two over the last two years against the Rockets in the playoffs here, and got to figure out a way to score come back get some help for donovan mitchell for the love of god and it doesn't doesn't mean kyle corfer at the age of 35 coming off the bench really nice interview kyle corfer but that's not
1: unfortunately what's going to make the news and and really make the headlines that you want you want it to be a utah advances to the
0: second round right no yeah that that definitely didn't happen they have a nice game though in utah They got the win, win, yeah Uh, one um in nba news this week there's been a lot of stuff going on uh doc rivers got an extension as the head coach of the clippers like after watching that clipper series how took, could you not i mean took him to six took him to six and got like two wins in oracle yeah that's like,
1: hard that's tough
0: and like game five they, it wasn't like a comeback win like in game two it was literally they just like pat beverly just punching the warriors <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh and lou williams just unguardable he was At, in moments like he was he was so good and doc rivers deserves this extension
0: yes absolutely especially like you almost thought last year he was going to get fired uh like just with some of the like how the, the clippers were panning out uh but like they just relieved him of that what president of basketball operations yeah. and look at where they're at now a couple seasons after that it's working out great uh the um, pivoting on to more serious news Kings and NBA launch investigation to lawsuit filed against Luke Walton uh a Los Angeles uh reporter, reporter. who is yeah
1: reporting on like whenever Luke Walton was still with Gold state
0: uh filed a uh like a se- sexual harassment lawsuit uh, against Luke Walton I think the- cl- uh Kings uh warriors and Lakers have issued statements saying they're opening investigations as yeah. well so um just kind of uh not a good another good not situation coming up uh with the NBA and personnel around the nBA so yeah well and it's like the Kings you had this nice
1: stable thing going where you got like 39 wins you had dave jaeger yeah you had some disagreements maybe but like you kind of had this like good thing going and then you blew it up
0: for luke walton and then like days this, later yeah this happens and i mean uh, who who's to say what they actually knew but kind of had to have like it just doesn't this stuff doesn't just pop up in the court one day like you kind got to get an idea that that's, this is going to be leaning out that direction, right? You would
1: have, I mean, you would have thought, but on some level, um, I, I saw that the the woman involved in this said like she never went to the police at the time yeah just because of her job and and what it entailed and all and her and luke walton were friends like that's why like they were up in the hotel together it's like they were friends talking about like a book she had wrote and where he had penned like the foreword to it like they were friends and just seems like I drunken ordeal and obviously luke walton denies this she says she was scared never went to the cops and so that's why this is a civil lawsuit not a criminal um issue so we'll see how it plays out obviously hope everyone's okay in this but on some level like this is just like the mayhem that the lakers this isn't the reason they fired him right so maybe the lakers luckily avoided but now the kings have stepped into
0: yeah exactly moving on to uh, speaking of the Lakers uh, Lakers are actively looking at a head coach uh, between Ty Monty Williams, and Jason Kidd Um, and this might be the most Lakers thing ever like I like Monty Williams don't get me wrong but the other two it's like man Jason Kidd did not do well with Milwaukee Ty like it kind of worked in Cleveland but how much of that was LeBron and Kyrie
1: yeah exactly like we really don't know what tylu is as a coach still because it's either he's been given LeBron or he's been giving nothing yeah like there's been no in between for for tylu and it's like of course he's a former laker player too <laughs> like <laughs> like why do we keep doing this
0: uh, man I don't know the Lakers are probably. We're about to talk another team that's a dumpster fire, but I think they're the biggest dumpster fire, fire minus LeBron. Um, <clears throat> if that noise just shocked you, it was Matt blowing his nose. It was not like a audio malfunction no. on her end. No, <laughs> these these allergies are real. <laughs> the allergies so are real. <laughs> allergies are undefeated. Um Suns fire head coach Igor Kakhovskov after one season. Really want Monty Williams? Can we can we pause here? You give this dude one. One season to make the po- like, what were the Suns expecting? One, what are
1: you expecting? Two, you bring in the Slovenian national coach to coach your NBA franchise. You have the number one pick. You don't pick the Slovenian <laughs> national player of the year, the god of Europe, Luka Doncic. And then you're like, why didn't you win more? It, it's, it's just... Not a surprise to any of us.
0: I just, like, don't understand. Devin Booker has had five coaches in five years. Yeah, like,
1: how is this guy supposed to, like, develop? How is he supposed to learn a system? How is this guy supposed to, like, develop any continuity with teammates? You just can't do it. You didn't give this guy a point guard. And Igor Kukashkov. like, his biggest thing is, I'd rather put two point guards out there, Luka and Goran Dragic over in Slovenia, and you're giving him... Isaiah Cannon, <laughs> like you're giving him nothing
0: here. I, uh, I am just, I don't know. I don't know what to do with the Suns. Like what? What were you expecting? They fired their GM early in the in the uh season. Yeah, and then they had
1: James Jones as the interim, and they've made him now. They took it off the interim tag, and so it's kind of like pick your guy. But on some level, it's like you were there last year. Like you were a part of the hiring process. Like you were just the step below Ryan McDonough. Like it's not like you weren't involved with picking the head coach. But it's like you said, they really want Monty Williams. Is it the Lakers' news of they really want Monty Williams got out? And so the Suns are like, well, I kind of want (laughs) Moss. Let's just fire our guy, not knowing if we'll be able
0: to get him. Because what if you don't get him? Yeah, (laughs) well, well, that's the argument with, like, any coaching position. Like, you fire your coach, um, okay, who are you getting who's better or equivalent? Exactly. It's like, it's not like these dudes
1: are just out there and it's just like, take your pick I mean unless you want to go get a Mark Jackson out of the booth but like that's literally like where those types of guys are like is Jeff Van Gundy coming out of retirement for the son's job no I don't think so no so it's like what are your options here go get another assistant coach who is not going to be as qualified as Igor Kakoshkov was no I mean how many assistant coaches have experience being a head coach anywhere let alone coaching a
0: national team that's succeeded yeah (laughs) like where are you gonna get that from Uh, maybe they'll just pick someone off the spurs bench and say come (laughs) coach for us sure you you're probably good (laughs) i mean like when this news broke i just rolled my eyes and i was like that's typical sun stuff it is um so uh in other news Back to basketball. Actual basketball. Ennis Cantor suffers a separated shoulder in game five. Questionable for round two. That's kind of big. They would be going to Myers Leonard in the starting role. Or maybe just scrapping the center position all together and finding some big dude. Like, I don't know what you do. I mean, they have the second-year player, Zach Collins. But, yeah, I don't feel good about
1: any of it. Because they're already down to their second big man. Because Yusuf Nurkic is out. I think... Innis will will play like he's been shooting some in practice, and it's his left shoulder, not his right shoulder. But at the same time, you you take a few
0: hits, and all of a sudden that shoulder starts feeling a whole lot worse. Jokic is a big boy. He's a large man. <laughs> Jokic is a big boy, and him hitting that shoulder a couple times not going to feel good.
1: And I don't know, maybe say, "God, like, oh, he doesn't play defense." Anyways, if he can shoot. Let's just call it good. But at the same time, I think it's actually a pretty big deal. So Portland should be getting him all the rest they can. And and yeah, maybe they try and take Denver small in the second round in, in moments more than they normally would but that's a it's a real problem like you mentioned portland has has a struggle with terry stotts we were complimenting him now he's got to figure something out for this (laughs) yeah
0: exactly uh last piece of news here blake griffin has knee surgery after detroit gets eliminated in the first round man props to blake griffin this season dude absolutely like played his heart out to get detroit to the playoffs he was really
1: trying and even there at the end when they were struggling it's because he was out yeah like there's nothing they could do without him like he was very clear like Detroit is Blake Griffin Yeah And that's it After him There's not a lot That you feel great about Even Andre Drummond (laughs)
0: yeah, even Andre Drummond, man. Watching that Pistons series against Milwaukee, it's like, oh boy, Dwayne Dwayne Casey, you didn't really make a lot of adjustments to fix anything, but you didn't have any very many options in the first place. Exactly. Well,
1: Blake Griffin's one not playing. Like, there's only so much you can do, and even with him playing, like, they had moments where like they were competitive with Blake Griffin on the floor, but. They, they don't have the guys he was so
0: on. good from three three this year like he is yeah. so
1: good we, like, we talked about him as our thought of the week a couple times and stuff he he really elevated himself like dwayne casey i don't know if it's dwayne casey the combination just blake taking that step he was so much better than i think most people expected him to be to take that leap this late in his career
0: really a point forward and like one of those dudes who's like We've talked about justifying that supermax contract. Now they just got to get other people around them, which is tough with that supermax contract. contract exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the NBA thought of the week, Matt. What do you? What did you see this week that you want to talk about? So we've we've hinted at them, um, but of the
1: eight eliminated playoff teams, I am in all caps concerned Ooh. about Utah. Even though they only have just a touch under $70 million committed for next year. And it's kind of like what we talked about, and we'll talk about it um, a bit more when we get to um, the round one recap. But man, there was nothing on this team outside of Donovan Mitchell in terms of playmaking or creation or just like, can someone else just please help? Yeah. Like Rudy Gobert obviously is a, a terrific player in his own right in a very specific way. But Houston just negated him like just made him basically ineffective or what he was doing like it wasn't valuable anymore let's put it that way and if Donovan Mitchell couldn't just create and go for 30 plus Utah didn't have a chance like they just really didn't they have a bunch of guys that you like having on your team the Jay Crowders and Royce O'Neals of the world Joe Ingles but none of those guys were really able to put A string of offensive possessions together to help this team that's ultimately what cost them the series um yeah the defense could have been better but man it's really hard to get up and and have like that tenacity on defense and and have that consistent motor whenever you're just feeling like crap because you can't buy a bucket yeah so yeah Kyle Korver is a shooter he spaces the floor but Kyle Korver is your fifth starter or your second guy off the bench he's not your second offensive option right. That's not him he's never really even been that in his prime so even though they have you know 40 45 million dollars in space for next year that's assuming they don't bring back Derek favors because his deal is non-guaranteed i don't know what you do like who's coming to utah who Who is coming into a situation where it's a defensive first coach? Who's coming to a situation where you might have to be behind a 22-year-old and say, like, no, this is this guy's team, and he just hasn't built that status yet, but Utah is placing him as the number one guy? It's It concerns me just because I'm not sure if they can actually improve. I hope they see the room for improvement, but I'm not sure they can actually improve in the ways that they want to improve. Utah's great at getting the Royce O'Neals and really making them shine in the NBA for what they are. but Player development. Yeah, but it's... What about the elite, guys? Because now you're, again, picking in that 16, 18-ish range. That's a tough spot to pick to find the type of players I'm talking about. You can find the the role players the developmental guys in where they will be picking this year in the draft but that's not who you're looking for that's not what this team needs unless you're packaging it but Utah's not a trade destination right otherwise they would have done that for Mike Conley right but they didn't get that done
0: yeah that's the thing like yeah I don't know what you do like it's there's a couple teams in this bracket too it's like man your second or third best players to your center. And, like, what do you do with that? Like, Gobert, yeah. just in some series. Like, any pick I've, – I've heard this thought spoken about a lot. Pick any other teams in the Western Conference outside of Houston and Golden State, and Utah probably wins a series. Um, uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Well, one, the way Portland's been
1: playing all year, especially late – I would have still picked Portland. Yeah, Oklahoma City. I mean, they looked bad against Portland, but they—they're right there, man. They're—they're. Well, they're, it's they tough. have the they have the talent. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna bet on talent in the playoffs more often than not. Whereas Portland had the talent and some. Yeah, like they had some extra, whereas OKC didn't. I have, I mean, I would have picked them probably against San Antonio if that matchup could have possibly... Or, yeah, LA. Like, yeah, of course I would have. But even Denver. I'm not sure I
0: would have picked them over Denver. That's a tough draw. That's really a tough draw for either team because, like, Gobert's good. Jokic is really good. And it's like, man, if they, like, neutralize each other, like, who's making a play from there? Is it going to be Jamal Murray, which he ended up making plays in yeah. the games that mattered to help them I win I think that the series. combination
1: of Jamal Murray... Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap outweighs Dominic Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. after one, one and a half, I'm, I'm for sure rolling with Denver if I wasn't already. Right. So I think Denver would have won out in that one, too. So, I mean, I, I could buy Utah being in it for six or seven games against those other type of opponents, but I still think I wouldn't have picked them.
0: Yeah. Another thing, I like... <laughs> They're eight and two against Houston Rockets in the last two years in the playoff series. Like, do you continue to run it back? Like, what do you like? What are your options here? Like, I feel like favors you can't bring back because like that's just another center not at, four that. Not you at just seventeen can't million play.
1: dollars because that's what he is. So like with Derek Favors it's sixteen million nine hundred thousand dollars, and his weird thing is like. He has until July 6th to guarantee it. The team yeah. does. So, like, they can go into free agency. They can basically just have him sitting there for five days. And then if nothing else bites for them, they can guarantee his contract. Update, or or if, essentially. Yeah, or if they're like... We, we feel confident in these other guys we're, we're acquiring via free agency, we're going to just cut you. And it costs them nothing. I think that's probably what they'll do is July 5th or July 6th is when they will choose to guarantee it or, or let them go. Yeah. But And that's probably the smart thing to do just from a business perspective. But I, even so, I, wouldn't, I would just cut it and then see if you could bring it back at a smaller number. Yeah. I think that's ultimately what I'd do anyway. But maybe he's not open to that maybe he'd rather go somewhere else if he's going to get paid eight million nine million ten million dollars a year
0: the knicks are have an open (laughs) open checkbook this year so it's no telling what they'll do but uh that's a very good thought like how does utah move on from here um we've seen like stories like portland this year kind of bounce back even deciding to essentially run it back but like i don't really there's not a second dude like there's no Dame Damian and CJ, Lillard. Yeah, Damien, CJ McCollum, and even uh, Nusef, uh, Nurkic. Like, yeah. he's another dude. Like, who are you pointing to? Like, who's your exactly. other guy? Who's your dominant
1: second guy, let alone a third guy? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So that's why I, I'm just very concerned that they're just going to run it back, but they just don't have the horses to keep running it back the same way Portland at least had the guys. It was just... Is this so much coming complacent? Whereas Utah, I don't feel like they have the guys to do it. So that's my thought of the week.
0: And then how does that wear on Donovan Mitchell, like in yeah. the future for free agency? It's very good. Good point. <clears throat> so my thought of this week, uh, the week is like who whose last run are we watching right now? Like I think it's kind of an interesting question. to Entertain. Like we can look at Golden State with KD that's been looming over that team yeah. all season. Are we looking at Houston's last run? Like, legitimate last run. Like, is this, like, James Harden's peak? Is this CP3's peak? Like, what does his career look like now in the next, what, three years of his deal? Yeah. Um, The Milwaukee Bucks, like, they have just a lot of dudes on one-year contracts. Or going into free agency, like the Brogdens and Chris Middleton's of the world. And like I've said before... New York is <laughs> open yep. checkbook. It's scary. Uh, Kyrie with the Celtics, and then Kawhi in Toronto, and it's like you, you could even lump Philadelphia in this with Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. Like what? Like whose last run are we watching right hmm. now? And how do how would you think this plays out? I for me, I think it's Golden State and KD. Like no matter how it shapes out, I don't see him coming back.
1: Probably. We've talked a little bit about the Houston and Milwaukee situations before where it's like, just financially, it's tough to make their situations work. In Houston, it's because they're paying so much money to Chris Paul. Right. That it's just tough to fill out the roster. It was tough this year to fill out the roster, you have little to alone sk- moving forward.
0: Daniel House is officially playing Significance min- Minutes for you. Yeah. I like Daniel House. This is a pro-Daniel House podcast. Don't get me wrong, but... You shouldn't be scrapping on two-way guy to make your yeah. roster work.
1: Exactly, and then with Milwaukee, we've mentioned before. Well, they have Giannis under contract for a while. They re-signed Eric Bledsoe to an extension, and outside of that, like the core guys, Chris Milton, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and Brooke Lopez, they're all free agents, and they've got some money wrapped up in the Tony Snells of yep. the world. Like you gotta figure out a way to bring at least some of these guys back or find other, like, just value deals the same way they found a value deal with Brooke Lopez. But I I feel like Giannis secures them, especially in the East still. The Celtics, even if Kyrie leaves, they're still Indiana.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the thing about it is, and I've said this before, I think I said it on the last podcast, winning solves a lot. And they yeah. just won a series. And it's like, oh, everything's fine in Boston. And by the way, they just whooped the number one seed in the East Yeah. today. Winning solves a lot. So that whole Kyrie to the Knicks thing could be nixed out if they end up getting the Eastern Conference Finals even further. Exactly. And then I feel
1: like it's more Toronto. Um, is, I, I really don't see Kawhi staying there, even though he's succeeding. Like, he's playing well. The pressure's... Off of him, I would say. Still, I feel like that's the one because Kyle Lowry's coming to an end pretty soon, in my opinion. If Chris Paul is coming to an end, Kyle Lowry is <laughs> such on a different level of coming to an yeah. end, like much more closely. I really love Pascal Siakam, but if he's your best player, I don't know what that team is still. And they have weird money tied up in like the Norman Pals still or Serge Ibaka's. Right. So I feel like Toronto could be the hardest drop off um but i i kind of think i agree with your golden state kevin durant one they'll still be fine yeah but you're right this is probably the end of this warriors what we've understood them to be the last couple years
0: and like just the weird like drama things that have gone on with them like, this year, is just, like, so weird. And, like, Clay not playing well has kind of underscored this whole, like, just weird thing with this team. And, like, Clay's a free agent this summer. Draymond's a free agent next summer. Yeah. So this Warriors run could be coming to a close very, very soon. And with that being said, Kevin Durant could just easily resign. Clay could get a max from them. And... We They're just act- willing to pay the tax
1: and just say, screw it. We win 60 games. Yeah. And I- and maybe that's what happens. But that's that tax bill just year after year is gonna start getting real heavy. And I don't know if Kevin Durant wants to stay there. I mean, no one no one knows. But right. I don't know. Complacency is sometimes like it's nice to have the consistency, but when it turns into complacency, then it's something completely different.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just an interesting perspective to watch. And even like with Philadelphia, I don't know. I mean, they've reportedly said they're going to bring back Butler and Tobias Harris, but they get bounced and it doesn't look good against Toronto. Can you justify that to your owners? Might be tough. Might be tough. So, who knows? It's a it's a fun playoffs. The second round is probably my favorite round this year. There's a lot of storylines in it. There's a lot of storylines, a, a lot of good matchups. But before we get to the second round, Matt, let's talk about the first round. So recapping it,
1: um, some series more interesting than we thought they would be. Some not so interesting also. Um, Like this (laughs) Gold State LAC one. That was a series that I didn't think would be a series. I thought it'd be just like a walk in the park.
0: I, I, I don't remember. Did we talk about game two in the last podcast? I don't think so. I went to sleep i was like about i was oh, contemplating tu- tuning in to game two i was like no i'm i'm going to sleep and I wake up 31 points 31 points <laughs> it's like jesus like what are you doing and then game five i caught the last fourth quarter and i was like what is happening here <laughs> and it's just lou williams just absolutely calling out kevin durant's man getting kevin durant in a pick and roll and just attacking kevin durant which was incredible He's just so fast, and yeah, I mean,
1: on some level, Lou Will six 6'3", he's small, and you can only keep doing the same thing so many times against Golden State and hope it works. But it works for two full games, or at least enough to win them two games. Whenever Montrez Harold is a free agent, he's going to get a lot of money thrown his way. He should have last time, and, and people just didn't buy into it, and they, they should be if buying Quint it If Clint
0: Capella now. can get his contract...
1: He should be getting at least twelve million, and right now he's getting paid closer to six a year. But I think the bigger point, like Kevin Durant said, he is he is nice. Yeah, he he, he was averaging forty-one and a half points per game over the last four games of that series after that comeback.
0: That was the after the KD's like uh, I, you know who I am (laughs) comments in the practice, but good
1: lord. And he when he dropped a fifty piece to end it and just he he showed his dominance he showed like no one on that team even though LA is a good defensive team I don't ha outside of Pat Beverly they have a defensive star but they're a good defensive team and he just was like you know what I'm gonna end this yeah and he did and so I think that's the the bigger takeaway from that series is Kevin Durant's red hot and if <laughs> Kevin Durant is red hot then the rest of the Western Conference better be on notice.
0: good but, luck just good luck like there was that couple shots of jermichael green literally putting his hand in his face and katie's just draining the shot it didn't matter and it Jemichael didn't matter Zane's,
1: i mean six nine or so six yeah. ten big guy and yeah so when that's happening i'm not sure what you can do let alone the fact that like steph and clay have been dealing with ankle injuries and haven't been 100 percent. if kevin durant can just carry them long enough to let those guys rest i mean rest while still playing course, because you want those guys playing. But if Kevin Durant's doing this, I'm not sure how really any team, even Houston, um, can do anything about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next series, Milwaukee sweeps Detroit. We've kind of talked about that yeah. a little bit with the Blake injury, but like, uh, I don't, there wasn't much Detroit could do.
1: No, I mean Blake was battling, but but when Giannis is doing Giannis things, the Bucks are the Bucks. That. That team just so overwhelmed to them. Outside of Luke Kennard hitting threes, there was no offense. <laughs>
0: uh, I think uh, Reggie Jackson just got put in a blunder by Eric Bledsoe, like every single possession it felt like, and just taken to the rim.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, we are we obviously not in favor of Reggie Jackson. As this is NBA not player. a pro Reggie Jackson <laughs>
0: podcast, and I'm all yeah. for
1: the Reggie J- Jackson slander. And, and that's fine, um, because in this series, he deserved it. Now, I, I'm not sure what this means for Detroit going forward. For the Bucks. this is exactly what I hoped they would do. I hoped they would be like, we're, we're just the best team, and we're just going to run you over. And they did that for basically four straight games. And so that's what I wanted to see. And so on some level, I'm glad like they didn't let this kind of just linger on for an extra game or two. So I guess I like that for Milwaukee. Obviously, today um we're recording this on Sunday. Um did not shine through as much as they would have liked, obviously, but I'm glad they, they were able to say, We're the best team, we're gonna get a clean sweep here, and they did that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Really good. Um this next next series, kind of interesting. Uh Denver and San Antonio in seven. Jokic gets a triple double in game seven to get them past San Antonio. You know, it's every
1: time I watch Denver like, I'm like, wow, this passing is just incredible. Just slinging the ball across the, the court. But then you you keep watching, like, two minutes later, like, you're just incredibly annoyed yeah. watching Denver because <laughs> Jamal Murray is doing something stupid or Will Barton is, like, just driving
0: out of his mind and has no idea where he's going. <laughs> well, it was pretty incredible watching that game seven. It's like, uh, we'll talk about this in the round two, but, like, they just kept running pick-and-rolls with Jokic. Like, if it didn't work on one side, like, if the defender, like, hedged and, like, LaMarcus Aldridge came over and helped, like, they would just run it back on the other side. It's like, okay, we're just going to keep running this. And, like, Jokic didn't really do much in that fourth quarter of Game 7. I don't think he hit a shot. But he still, like, affected the games in so many different... It affected the game in so many different ways that it was really impressive. Like, Hustle, just, like, fighting for rebounds. Like, he's just so incredible. His touch with the ball is just absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, and and although Jamal Murray frustrates me, he also made big plays. Yeah. And the game like he hit big shot there at the end. So it's like they deserve credit for winning the game. San Antonio deserves credit for really they didn't have the the guys to to be in the series, but they were. They they made it work. They made it I think Greg Popovich did as much as he literally could with this team. It wasn't a lot, they. But it was a tough first round series. If this, if they had any matchup, this was the one they could have won. They didn't. I think being at home really helped Denver. Yeah. At, at, at the end of the day, being a young team, never being in the playoffs before. But it, it makes me cautious, wanting or or watching Denver moving forward and thinking like they're going to have a lot of success. Because I don't, I don't feel that right now. I don't feel confident in them.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, when you're uh, supposed to be an offensive team and don't score 100 points in the yeah. last game, and then get when Jokic sits in game six, you go from, like, a three-point deficit to a 15-point deficit. It's like, man, this is not setting well for round two at all. Oh, no. And so that's why it's kind of,
1: if I'm looking forward now to Portland and we'll talk more about this, man, I don't know what you're doing on the perimeter because yeah. your perimeter defense is kind of a mess. <laughs> Patty Mills was, was doing things. Derek White was doing things.
0: Yeah, Derek White at 36 points in that series. What is Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum exactly. going to do guys? So guess.
1: that's where I'm more concerned with with Denver. And because they had to play seven games, are they going to be tired? Are they going to have the legs? Are they going to have just time to make the adjustments for a, a completely different team? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But that it made for at least a decently interesting first round series
0: yeah for sure um toronto turns up against orlando and gets the series win after dropping game one in toronto what an awful game to lose i can't believe that
1: it's just ingrained in my mind but it seems like after it happened Kawhi and pascal siakam who I think it was a little bit Kawhi's fault that that even happened, and it's like he took it upon himself. He's like, "My bad," yeah. and and he just went off for the rest of the series, and so did Pascal. Like they were averaging um, a combined 51 points per game over those last <laughs> four. It was like 29 for Kawhi and 22 for Siakam. It, it just it wasn't fair yeah. after that, and it shouldn't have been. That's what a 2 7 matchup supposed to be. It's right. supposed to be the 2C so just runs away with it. Yeah, the 7 might steal a game, and they did. But other than that, it's supposed to be all Toronto. It ended up being that. And it looked like Kawhi stepped it up and went for 45 in their first game of their next series. Oh, man. Which it just, there was nothing to be done by Orlando, which is expected.
0: Uh, Yeah. That and like Toronto flexing its defensive muscle and just yeah. saying. We're, you're not scoring like 100 points in any of the rest of the games it felt like and man what a series from like them defensively uh, which was really really yeah. impressive
1: I did like what I saw of Aaron Gordon though I'll give Aaron Gordon credit I didn't think he was really worth the contract he got I was like I thought it was a real little too rich for my blood mm-hmm. um, it was like a 4 for 84 I think yeah. is what he had got something like that and I was like ah, paying Aaron Gordon 20 million dollars a year But at the same time, though, he's one of the guys that helped get them into the playoffs at all. And then during the playoffs, in in a way Vucevic couldn't, he was really able to create or cause at least some annoyance on defense and turn that in transition. Yeah. So I liked what I saw. I think Orlando should feel really good about Aaron Gordon moving forward. But at the same time, I wonder, like, why Aaron Gordon—I didn't feel like I got enough Aaron Gordon throughout the regular season— but then to see that makes me hopeful. Yeah, it's just—is it a him thing? Is it a Steve Clifford thing? Is it just a Orlando Magic complacency <laughs> issue, combination thereof? But at least that was a bright spot for Orlando.
0: I also really like Jonathan Isaac out of the series. Started to show some some good yeah. stuff. Um really positive stuff from him uh i've heard some people taking him as early most improved player for next year, which I could see he looked like he could play on the perimeter, and that was always my biggest worry is is he actually a perimeter player
1: in yeah. the n b a because he's just so tall and he's look he looks like he's still like gaining that coordination out there but you're right he he looked like someone who was taking steps forward, so another bright spot,
0: yeah, so two. Good players moving forward. I think this is what we're most both most excited about to talk about this next series. <laughs> Oklahoma City and Portland. Oof. I, I don't even know what to say here. I don't know what to say. So... I'll, I'll just say it dame owned russ oh I'll my just, god so there's <laughs> let's a, just get to it like there, there's he a for, owned him there's a formula for beating oklahoma city in playoff series you know what it is what game one get inside russ said games two through five you win <laughs> like that's like it turned into a damian Lillard versus russell westbrook thing and like all of a sudden like it's over like, yeah. Damien's going to win that. Like, that's just not who Russ is. Like, he's not that outside-scoring dude, and Russ Wait, was, let's like— just tra- say it.
1: Russ isn't that good.
0: <laughs> Russ isn't an outside-scoring dude. Russ is still good when he's not trying oh, to score. Oh, no, he, he's good.
1: <laughs> Russ isn't that good.
0: No, he's not Damien Lillard hitting it from 37 feet good. And, like, we've talked about it before, but, like, triple-doubles are kind of getting old. Like, just, like, drop it. Like, try to win. Like, just win a game for your team for yeah. a change. How about that?
1: And it's it's one of those. Is Russ doing what this team needs him to do? Maybe, but I'm not. I'm not certain about that. I feel like in some ways he's, and like taking away from jeremy grant saying like, jeremy grant you're not good unless i make you yeah. good steven adams you're not good unless i make you good in some level like those guys aren't great players we know that they're not great players but you do seriously wonder like is it your accomplishments aren't your accomplishments it's russ giving it to you
0: well like it's like the t- team three seasons ago when he won mvp they needed him to get triple double every night and shoot a lot like, they needed that from him. This team's a little different. Like, it has a little bit more talent to it. Like, it, with PG, with um, Jeremy Grant, with, like, Steven Adams. And it's like, man, even the adjustments, like, mid-series for Oklahoma City just wasn't good. They, like, weren't good. Oh. Like, like Adams wasn't, like, crazy crazy. Like, he was crazy ineffective against Cantor, who, like, isn't supposed to be able to play in playoffs games. He can. Can play Cantor. <laughs> can play Cantor, I guess. And, like, Damien Damian just was so good. Like, they tried to trap him so many times. Uh, like, uh, the Pelicans did last season. And he was just creative enough to fight over that this year. And I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what OKC does. Like, you were talking about Utah in your thought of the week. What does OKC do from here? At least you have Russell Westbrook and Paul George. But at the same time,
1: as compared to, like, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, which I would prefer to have Russ and PG. But at the same time, like, you're right. Like, with the rest of the team, like, what else are you going to do except really getting some trades and hoping you get, like, some decent value out of them? Because, I mean, you're going to be picking around 20 – 21 this year so again that's kind of like that's a good role player potentially unless it's a developmental prospect which seems like to be what okc drafts is (laughs)
0: developmental guys you mean guys who end up sitting on the bench and don't play ever again i mean those types of dudes kind of (laughs) (laughs) but like terrence ferguson eventually is kind of
1: working out but even so like wildly inconsistent still yeah and he was what, their third best offensive player in the series? <laughs> At times, yeah. So that's that's really my concern is that Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, like, there was no one else to lean on, but it seems like Russ is like, I don't want to lean on anyone else. Yep. I'm just doing this myself. And there there's all the trolling and, and trash that went with this, like... OKC won a game, and instantly they start just, like, going at Russ and his celebrations. And it's like, you understand, like, you're still down in this series. Damien, yeah, going at Damien, yep. Like, what are you doing? Like, you
0: have no place here. I mean, it's a high-risk, high-reward thing, right? Like, if they came back and won the series, they would have looked like, I don't know, just like NBA people, but, like, NBA people trolling each other. But, like, uh, man, Damien Lillard, give him the wave goodbye, at the end after hitting that that's 30. That's cold. That, I mean, that's that's uh, iconic. I don't know how. I mean, like, he's done this twice now. This is his second time doing this business. He sent the Rockets off once and it yeah. would walk-off and then did it to Oklahoma City. Well, it's like, I feel like every time
1: someone insults Damian Lillard, it's just like... He acquires this superpower of like, <laughs> oh yeah, well, watch this. Step to this. And so whether it's the trolling by Oklahoma City or just like the history that's been like with this um, series, like not the playoffs, but like just this team by team matchup, I feel like this was the perfect series for Damian Lillard. Like this is exactly what he wanted to happen in round one. He wanted this type of a game or this type of a series. He shot forty eight percent from three in this series. Forty eight percent. On some level like that's just Dame being incredible, but on some level like that's on Oklahoma City too. Like you can't let him do that.
0: And like I just don't understand like in the first two games, PG wasn't on either CJ McCollum or Dame for like any amount of time? Like what, you rest in him? Like what are, what are we what are we playing for here? Like there's yeah. no tomorrow. Like you got to you got to take out one of those guys and eventually they made that adjustment and put him on CJ for most of the time, but then they would switch. And it's like, yeah. man, you're not really taking advantage of one of the best defensive players in the league. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's just, like, not a good look for Oklahoma City. Good for Portland and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for, like, figuring it out this year. But it, Has Dame cemented
1: himself as a better point guard, period, than Russell Westbrook? Like, if you had to rank point guards... Oof. Is he in the conversation to be ahead of Russ? Yes. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it... it I'm obviously not asking you to rank him right now because right. that's that's a really <laughs> tough job to do. But like it it really does make you think, like, if Dame as just being who he is, what his game is like how the NBA is changing, is his game better moving forward?
0: Well, the thing is like Dame's probably stepping into his prime. Russ is out of his prime at this point, starting to fall out of his prime at least. If he's stepping out the same way
1: Chris Paul is stepping out, like that's okay. Yeah. But at the same time. Oklahoma City's dependence on Russ is just so much higher than Houston's on Chris Paul that it it makes you worried, I think, Oklahoma City. I think that's the point you're you're ultimately getting at is, like, Oklahoma City just depends so much on Russell Westbrook. And if one guy is able to, like, I got you, I'm going to get in your head and, and you're done, then they're, they're done.
0: I mean, that was the thing against... Uh, Utah last year is like Ricky Rubio like had a couple good games against him, and Russ was like, "No, I'm taking him out the rest of the series." and it was too focused on like just play the game of basketball like i i don't know there's so many issues wrong with oklahoma city we'll talk about that in our off-season podcast but uh, like damian lillard just props that dude yeah i I, the the step back was just incredible like iconic playoff shot right like one of those iconic playoff shots 37 feet we're talking about Uh, 37 feet and it wasn't just like a half-court
1: runner. Like, it was a conscious, like, I'm just going to stand here and dribble for about eight seconds and then intentionally
0: step back. It was <laughs> It was not bad defense either by Paul George. Like, he jumped as soon as he started stepping back, and, like, it just didn't matter. Oh,
1: no. Like you said, like, when you rush, like, oh, yep, that's in. That's the in. The second that he was going up and
0: it came out of his hand, yep, that that's in. Oh, man. That was ice cold one of my ice cold moments i've ever witnessed like a live watching live tv okay let's move on to other boring first round series because i think that was probably peak first round for us that, oh that for sure was uh so philly philly gets hot knocks off nets my brooklyn nets season is over it was a, a cool
1: first game in that series but after that philly's defense was just different it, it was so much better like out of Dinwiddie Russell and Karis LeVert only one of those guys at a time ever seemed to be succeeding after game one whereas in like in game one and even part to game two it was all three of them could do whatever they wanted eventually got to the point of it, it was one of them at a time yep. and that was the difference
0: that and Embiid just putting Jarrett Allen in the basket like yep. every, every single every time. time
1: yeah they they played as a team much better Tobias Harris really started shining Jimmy Butler Started looking good, um, and Jimmy Butler might be the second best creator on this team, which is weird, because that's not Jimmy Butler's game, yeah. but he definitely looked like it um, for a long stretch of time throughout that series. So that's an odd dynamic moving forward into the second round, is if, if he is, is that viable is like is that what's gonna last in in terms of winning i'm not sure but it's good to see that it could happen and they could win against a lesser opponent in brooklyn good on brooklyn for at least every game seemed semi-competitive yeah and it just ended up that philly had way too much talent at the end of the day
0: they they gave it a good run. Uh, I think uh, Ben Falk from Cleaning Glass he put out a couple interesting tweets on how like Philadelphia really got into the Nets with like running some pick and rolls with Simmons and Butler and running some action for JJ Redick to get open yeah. for three. And man, like you just watch that series of tweets and they just roasted the Nets like just the Nets couldn't figure it out
1: defensively. No, and and once Philly got a little bit of spacing the talent just took over and there was nothing brooklyn could do defensively
0: redick was really good from game one on like yeah. that that was a big difference but yeah it, it, uh, next year for my brooklyn nuts next year, next year. <laughs> uh so houston gives uh the gentleman sweep to utah we kind of talked about utah a yeah. little bit and uh, we talked about this harden just kind of Harden things. He's it, just
1: too much. There's nothing. Even though they are a good defensive team, they have good defensive players. They don't have, like, that guy mm. on the perimeter, and therefore James Harden's just going to abuse you. Chris Paul's just going to abuse you. Eric Gordon, even, is going to take advantage of you. And then Utah had no way to answer, and that's pretty much the bottom line. I
0: mean, like, is even, like, their funneling defense, uh, like, kind of standing behind James Harden and kind of funneling him towards Gobert like he just kind of beat it like yeah he, he's, he's just ju-
1: too good for, for that yeah like, it, it seemed almost ch- like child's play yeah he was like oh this is this is neat this i'm is just gonna take
0: floaters i'm gonna pass it to eric gordon yeah. who seems to be always open against utah exactly. for whatever reason um but yeah let's move on to the last uh series in the first round the boston celtics matt your team it was just, a hard-fought sweep. Just gave it to Indiana. But I think
1: my biggest thing here was that the rotation seemed perfect. They had mm. eight guys. And, I mean, yeah, of course, like the Daniel Tysons are going to play a few minutes here and there. Shemmy is going to play a few minutes here and there. But it was the starters and then Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and Aaron Baines. And that was it. That, that was all. Everyone was playing something like 25-plus minutes a game, and it was perfect.
0: We're going to have to save this, some, dive more into the Celtics in this uh, round two expectations because, good Lord, they're just peaking at the right time. It,
1: it was in from everything from the defense really came together. Everyone seemed to be able to get enough shots like individually to where like no one seemed unhappy. Jalen Brown started playing... A Marcus Smart type role and was still able to be effective offensively even though he's putting a lot more defensive effort into the game it just and we'll hit on more it just seemed like Boston was really like oh this is how it feels this is how it looks whenever we are together and we are working on the same page and it seems like this Indiana series is a tune-up for what's going forward
0: yeah you think, like, uh, I mean, you talk about, like, other teams in the East, you expecting them to drop a game. Like, we didn't really expect Toronto or Philly to drop one of those games, early games. Like, you kind of thought maybe with Boston they would lose a game or two to Indiana just based on pure grit, mm-hmm. and that was not the situation. Nope. They matched the grit and then also had enough talent and then
1: to really just blow the doors off in, in the times they needed to
0: yeah miles turner getting put in it you want to talk about Woo! getting put in a blender welcome to al horford playoff experience yeah man al
1: horford's just
0: like the the assassin
1: but in like the least likely way he looks like like your friendly neighborhood like guy and then he just like comes up and like when you don't even know he just like stabs you in the back like, he, he's just my perfect player he's like the ultimate boston guy
0: yeah I mean, like, he's just been incredible. Even in this first round, or second round, he's just been something else. And, like, his defensive presence is, I don't know, unmatched, I guess. Like, is he the most underrated player left in these playoffs? Um, probably. I mean, unless you
1: want to throw, like, an Andre Iguodala into that, but... He's a finals MVP. We can't categorize him. Yeah, but, I, I mean, maybe. Just, like, how valuable he is to his team, maybe. I think that's more the appropriate conversation yeah. for Al Horford because if Al Horford's able to do, like, his game's able to be maximized by their opponent, like, Al Horford just looks like this unstoppable force. <laughs> and just, like, you're like what are we doing it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Al Horford, right? <laughs> Al Horford scoring 20 and, and getting
0: 10 rebounds and making our best player's life... Just awful. Be able to switch on guards and just do like incredible things that centers or fours shouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Essentially, and and he's he's able to. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about round two? I think we've been so hol- round. A, 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 so a, holding on for this whole round two for this entire podcast, Matt. Let's talk about Golden State, Houston. I think this is my most anticipated matchup of this round two yep
1: and so we're recording we we let that game play out before we we hopped on so golden state holds on in the series opener um some questionable calls no calls there no, okay um,
0: okay hold on let, let's take a break we're, we're taking a commercial break here if you flail your legs out you don't get the benefit of the doubt I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not you don't get to leap forward into the defender and expect to get a call. James Harden in the last 24 seconds of an NBA playoff game.
1: So it's been speculated, rumored that like Golden State sent like clips of James Harden essentially jumping out, like jumping forward in his shot or like kicking his legs out to the refs and being like if he does this, this is not a foul. Like in according to the rule, like it's not. Now it's sometimes it is a foul, of if, course. It is sometimes, Yeah. but that's not every time. But sometimes it is James Harden, like, and we all know sometimes it is James Harden, and he just sells it and and makes it look as
0: natural as you can. How about how about you just take a three point shot in the last twenty four seconds and try to make it instead of there you go, Go trying to get a call. Maybe,
1: but uh, I, I wild idea there. I understand some of Houston's uh, complaints. now, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like. As much as Houston has room to be upset, I'm sure on some level you can find calls that Golden State's upset about, too. Yes, the one everyone's going to talk about for Houston is James Harden's three at the end of the game that he thinks he should have got three free throws for. He just wanted the chance to take them. But at the same time, I feel like the desperation is really showing in that moment because then it's like, we can't beat Golden State unless I'm getting this call, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Please give me this call. It's it's close. Give me the call. And it's like, he knows, like, that's the only way they're beating Golden State, I think.
0: I mean, like, just play the – like, even there at the end, like, CP3 had the rebound and, like, went and sought contact. Like, I don't know what that was. Like, it was a flail. He lost yeah. the ball. And then Eric Gordon's out of bounds, like three feet out of bounds, like almost in the uh, sideline seats there. Yeah. I just like, just play the game. Like I, I'm gonna, like, I've been on the longest time, like James Harden, fine. Like that's your, that's your thing. Hunt calls. Like that's how you win games. Sure. But like, I'm over it. You're not getting that call in Oracle. You're not just getting, not. You're not going to get that call in the playoffs 50% of the time. Quit leaning on it. Like yeah. just play the game, like drive to the hole, try to get in one. Just shoot the ball normally, don't flail your legs out, and you'd be able to maybe hit a shot. Like, you're talented enough to do that.
1: I feel like Houston could also be doing a better job of, like, between game one and then also moving forward, like, just set enough screens to where you can get a switch with either Steph or the center whoever the center is, whether that's Bogut or Kevon Looney, whomever's out there at center, really. I mean, I know Draymond at center is different, but just do it until you get that guy on you and then go to work. Like, just do that. And and all of a sudden, like, it's just going to seem so much more open to where you don't have to do that. But, yeah, if you're playing against Clay and Draymond and Andre Iguodala, every single possession then yeah it it feels like you have to do that type of stuff because those guys are great defenders yeah they just aren't and i think that's such an underrated part of golden state is like they have perimeter defense that not a lot of teams have like truly between at the very least clay and draymond and then Iguodala is just such an experienced guy, same way Al Horford maybe is a great defensive player, so is Iguodala now.
0: I mean, even Kevin Durant had some really good defensive plays, like there towards the end of uh, the first half, like, he would jump like, is, they were trying to hunt Steph and like, he would jump off Daniel House like, which is the oh, right yeah. move to like come out and double team Harden
1: and it's like as long as Kevin Durant knows where he should be putting his defensive aggression and like picking his spots, man. Yeah. He's just a terror. And that's why I feel like that's the bigger problem is like Houston's just like, we don't have, our whole game is based around this perimeter offense and Golden State just has enough guys to really like make that difficult. Now saying that like Houston came back, Houston made game one, like interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like you can do that for a whole game or even if you did it for three quarters that might mean golden state's still right there with you and if you're asking me who do i want at the end of the game kevin durant steph curry clay thompson versus chris paul james harden i'm picking golden state yeah like i just am i'm trusting kevin durant like he he is nice <laughs> he is he, nice like he he dropped another big game 35 today points so it's like if he's putting up an easy 35 on you, and I feel like they could have really even put it more on him, they let Houston come back. I I don't feel like I'm I, I don't feel good as Houston moving forward in the series.
0: Yeah, my note here is I'm selling like all of Houston's stock after game one, like just because of the calling, trying to get call antics, and like that just doesn't last in seven games. Like it just doesn't equate to winning seven games. Yeah. Like, just play the game, and you might have a chance against the Warriors. Like, James Harden is very talented. Just, like, hit your shots. Like, take shots normally, and you probably hit your shots most of the time. At least statistics say that you hit your shots most of the time. I think so. And...
1: (laughs) See, I, I don't feel like I'm selling Houston when I when I make this prediction of Warriors in 5. I think it's more of an endorsement of the Warriors. Like I'm buying yeah. them more than I'm selling Houston when I say that. One it's because of Kevin Durant. Like this dude just looks unguardable. There's no one on Houston that can do anything. I don't care about PJ Tucker <laughs> even if he's playing decent defense if he's putting up zero points. Like the trade-off is just it's still not enough. Like, there's nothing Houston can do about Kevin Durant. And even whenever, like, Steph and Clay get feeling better because they're hurt, like, they were questionable for this game. And and yeah, if they don't play, then of course I would have felt better about Houston. But they played at, what, 75, 80%? And I still felt good about how it went.
0: Steph had a big three there towards the yeah. end to kind of put it away. So, pseudo put it away, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, like, I'm. I feel like my thing is more of an endorsement of the Warriors. Like they very obviously have like a second gear that they've only turned on in moments and when they do it looks
0: unstoppable. Um I guess I was I guess why I'm saying I'm selling on Houston. I was borderline picking Houston 7 in this yeah. in this series. I guess it depends on your expectations.
1: My expectations were Warriors in 6. Yeah. Warrior like a hard-fought 6, but now I feel like it's a it's going to be Warriors in 5 and in any game at Oracle from here on out, I'm feeling fine.
0: And I think, like, the biggest thing, Houston will look back and just, like, kick themselves for losing this game one yeah. way or another. Like, you want to blame it on the refs, so that's fine, but you lost the game ultimately. You don't
1: start the game so poorly. Yeah. Like, there there you go. And that That's an idea. Also, like, you gave up... Twenty eight points in the first quarter. You get up thirty points in the third quarter. You started the game poorly, you started the second half poorly. Don't don't do that. Like <laughs> there, there's an idea. I know it's a really oversimplification of it, but like come out ready. Yeah. Come out with a game plan and don't play comeback for the entire game. Like that's not how you
0: win. Even Golden Slate's defending you straight up. They're not doing that weird like stand behind James Harden defense. No.
1: Because the so, like, guy's
0: good enough. That that's what you want as Houston. Like you want to be able to get those step backs if you're James Harden and they're giving that to you. So, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting series moving forward. I think the second most anticipated series in this podcast is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks taking on Boston Celtics. But uh Boston came out in game 1. Just gave, gave them it. the business. Gave them the business. I, I I don't know what to say for Milwaukee. I was expecting the Bucks in seven, but I'm kind of questioning that call now.
1: So after outs- game one, yeah, outside of a second quarter run where Boston couldn't buy a bucket, I watched this game from start to finish. Outside of that run by Milwaukee to close it to a two point deficit at halftime, like there was nothing there. Like they they looked off from the start. They looked frustrated, and everyone just it came to a point of like, well. I guess I need to be the one to shoot this. And they just kept taking bad shots. And I, I heard, like, some different analysis after the game of, like, well, well, Milwaukee's got to think, like, some of those shots are going to start going in. They didn't have just, like, a ton of wide-open threes they were missing. From what I watched, like, Jalen Brown was flying around. Like, Kyrie, like, at least was active defensively. Even if he's not a great defender, like, he didn't just let Eric Bledsoe buy him. He didn't just let you know, Sterling Brown, like, get some easy, like, cut layups. Like, they were generally there. And Al Horford, like, I just bragged on it. <laughs> like, he made Giannis's life just a living hell.
0: 22, what, 22 points on 21 shots or something like that it, for Giannis? He was
1: so inefficient, and for a while, like, so he was 7 for 21 shooting for 22 points. Yeah, he was, like, 3 for 14 at one point, like, it got better there at the end, and that's Giannis hit three threes. Oh. Like, <laughs> like that, he hit three threes, and he still only put up twenty two points. Like let that really sink in. Like he had seven field goals that he hit. I don't. I I obviously think Giannis like will play better right. moving forward, but on some level, like Al Horford played near perfect defense this entire game. Or, or whomever, even Marcus Morris played pretty decent defense. Aaron Baines played incredible defense for whenever he came in for his nine minutes that he was in the game, and he rolled his ankle. Um, so as a Celtics fan, really hoping that he's fine. <laughs> but he came in and gave him a, a good, strong 10 minutes so Al Holford could kind of get a rest. Marcus Morris could kind of get a rest for a little bit, and they could move on. I really think Boston has like a good formula to succeed in this series. Uh, there's a little bit of homerism with this, but at the same time, I like what I saw in the first round. I saw this rotation coming together well. I saw it continue into this series even though they've had a rest. And Kyrie and Big Al are just problems. I know Eric Bledsoe's a good perimeter defender. I know Chris Milton's a good perimeter defender. But there are some shots that Kyrie takes and hits you just can't defend.
0: I mean, it's kind of like the whole Damien thing we were talking about. It's like, you're going to have good defense. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes it's just not a bad shot. <laughs> not for him, anyway. Yeah. Um, like, and- you're, you're getting, like, Uncle Drew out there, and I just don't know, like, what you can do to stop. Like, you have to send two people at him at some point like if he gets in the post and starts doing his thing like do you send two? and then like who's open
1: yeah because at this point jalen brown is playing well like he just straight up he's playing well he's not a superstar i don't think he'll ever be a superstar i don't know if he'll ever be a star and that's something like if you're a number three overall pick you would hope for i don't think he's ever going to be that i think he's going to be a fantastic role player in the nba whether it's for the celtics or someone else moving forward but he came in today he played for 36 minutes on 14 shots, he had 19 points, had four rebounds, played good defense. That's it. That's what I want. I want him just chasing Chris Middleton all game and just yep. making his life hard. And he did that. He was focused. Now, you do wonder like other times where he's like overthinking things and not really attentive, and Chris Middleton will get a few on him. Sure, it'll happen. And maybe that's enough to swing a, a game that they wouldn't otherwise get. But man, he's playing well. Jason Tatum had a bad game, straight up. He had a bad game. So what are you going to do whenever he has a good game? He had a bad game, but was plus 16. Yeah, well, it's kind of who who he was on the floor at that time. But, like, Mook. Mook. He didn't play great. It's, It's just that he wasn't taking a lot of shots. He was four for six. Had nine points. Had seven rebounds. Played good defense. He just didn't have to do a lot, like, on the offensive side because everyone else is dominating. Gordon Hayward. Let's is, talk about Gordon Hayward for a second. Dude he, has been incredible. A, the if last we're talking month. about X-factors, I mean, I don't know if he qualifies as an X-factor cuz he makes $30 million a year, <laughs> but man, he played 30 minutes, came in, had 13 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, ran the offense when Kyrie wasn't out there, and the offense looked great when he was out there.
0: And also played amazing defense, like rotating. Yeah. Was super confident in his rotations. Just like, was just all over the place. Exactly. Like, whether it was a block, he went up confidently to
1: go soar for a block. He went for a dunk. He got fouled by Brooke Lopez. Like, but he went up for it. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm looking for. He looked confident out there, he looked confident shooting. Um, jump shots he got to the basket with relative ease he ran the pick and roll to perfection whether it was Aaron Baines or Al Horford out there like he just n- picked the spots so perfectly it's like Joe Ingles on steroids Like
0: he just <laughs> I mean, like kind of the... dribbled dribbled looked and oh
1: okay you're just gonna give me
0: a layup I'll go take it this is the Gordon Hayward we envision coming back like this is what Utah's yeah. Gordon Hayward was maybe a couple steps slower but like yeah. Earlier in the season, he couldn't, like, really get around to pick and roll effectively. No. And now he's just, like you said, running it to perfection. And I don't know if Milwaukee has a counter for that off their bench. Like, legitimately, like, who are they going to? Miritich?
1: Now, Miritich played well. Like, Miritich got hot. Miritich was a part of the second quarter run. But at the same time, like, you're right. Like, that's not who you need to be, like, relying on. Chris Middleton just... On some level, it has to be Chris Middleton plays better than shooting 5 for 12. On some level, it has to be Giannis plays better than shooting 7 for 21. And then, like, Brooke Lopez, 1 for 5. Eric Bledsoe, 1 for 5. Sterling Brown, 1 for 7. Like, on some level, like, that's the problem more than anything else. Like, George Hill came in, gave you good minutes. Pat Connaughton, he missed shots, but he came in and played strong defense. Like, he tried. Yeah. So, like, on some level, the problem's more, like... It's just your main guys. They just didn't show up, and that's what leads to a twenty-two point blowout in game one. And not scoring hundred points, which is concerning. No, <laughs> and it's it's one of those. I always look at the third quarter. What happened in the third quarter? Because that's usually tells you how the game goes every yeah. single time. And Boston won the third quarter, thirty-six to twenty-one. Oof. Well, there there There's, you go. That's a fifteen that's point
0: it. point difference right there.
1: So if you're wondering like how the game turned out, just pretty much always look at third quarter. With Boston, that's how it always is. Either Boston's on the bad side of it, or Boston's just extremely on the good side. That's part of the problem with the Celtics, is that (laughs) it just depends on what day you get them. They could have had a great first half. They might come out flat in the third quarter, and then you just steamroll them for the rest of the game, unless Kyrie hits a game winner. Yeah. But in this game, it was Boston played well in the first quarter. Milwaukee fought back in the second. Boston blew bloom, bloom out in the third, and then to start the fourth, did the same thing. That's it. That's
0: all she wrote. I mean, you got to think Boston feels pretty confident, like playing against Milwaukee. They won in seven last year without Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. But, like, man, you got to feel really there's, confident. There's a little bit, bit of a mental
1: game, game going on right, yeah. right now yeah and it's like Eric Bledsoe plays poorly Terry Rozier plays well off the bench like, just like the little things like they're still there yeah like, it is still in Milwaukee's mind like they say, like it's still in their head and like they use it as motivation they say but if it's still there in this kind of a way like you playing scared they already won yeah Boston's already won you, you did what you needed to do you won a game on the road yeah. So I'm not saying they'll take game two off by any means. I, I hope they don't. But I expect to see a different Milwaukee in game two.
0: You'd have to think Giannis is going to get some heads. Like, Jalen baptized him today, kind of, and you would have to think he's going to be searching for Al Horford's to dunk on and, like, Jalen Brown's to dunk on. You feel like
1: Mike Bootenholzer should be a good enough coach to to get some Giannis pick and roll where either he can Abuse Kyrie! Why are you not going at Kyrie every single time? Where you can get a Kyrie switch on to him or or even, like, Jalen Brown. And even though Jalen Brown's a good defender, he's... Only like six, 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 seven. He really doesn't have a chance getting no. Across. And so if you can get him in the post or, or something like that, like just win that, just win that matchup and well, make them double you in the post, and then have wide open shooters. That's the idea for
0: Milwaukee. As as Milwaukee fans probably know, and if you watch basketball, Boston did that incredible scrambled defense. Like as the ball was in there, they would switch, yeah. And that just gave Milwaukee a ton of issues yeah. last year in the playoffs. So you'd have to think that. They would be ready for that in game two if they do start seeking out those Kyrie and Jalen Brown matchups mm-hmm. in the post. But a really fun chess match, honestly, in the series. <clears throat> Moving on to another Western Conference. or uh, I guess, yeah, another Western Conference where I talked about one. Denver-Portland. It starts after a recording. Yes, uh, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, Monday night, which is going to be its gonna be an interesting series. Because Jokic and Denver Nuggets, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, how confident are you in them winning this series? I'm not. I, I just think
1: Portland's a better team. I think Portland's hot. And at the end of the day... If we say guards win games, and one team has Damian Lillard, you, and one team doesn't, you, then there it is. You have the best guard in the series? You have the best player in the series, one. You you have the best, and he's also the best guard in the series. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, on some level, every other position outside of Jokic versus um, Cantor, like, it's either a wash or I'm taking Portland. Um, I feel like, so... I don't know, I just feel like the deficit of Jokic versus Cantor and then Dame versus Jamal Murray, it just favors Portland still.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to take that. I, I am concerned about Cantor in the series. Like, not even the injury, but just, like, getting in that pick and roll. Like, it, is that – is Jokic just going to take him to town for 30 Maybe. minutes a game? But then again, you bring up that point as, like – Man, he's probably gonna get be getting twos. He's not gonna be getting a lot of. He doesn't. Jokic doesn't take a lot of threes, and like Damien coming back on the other end, like shooting threes. I'll say
1: Dame's gonna pick Jokic in the pick and roll. Yeah.
0: Man. On the flip side of that, you get Jokic in the pick and roll, and it doesn't look good. So like, <sighs> I'll say Jokic makes good defenders look spotty.
1: So yeah, yeah, maybe he he abuses Cantor in in a couple games or maybe even a few games, but that doesn't to me that doesn't mean denver's going to win the series like yep. that doesn't mean like they're going to ultimately even win those individual games <laughs> even like it takes so much more for them i feel like and portland's got good wing defenders they have good perimeter defenders if someone's getting hot alfur Mo Harkless, like they they have some guys there that can come in and play defense even um guys off the bench they can bring some different dudes in they can throw some different things at at denver And to me, if Dame needs a rest, CJ. If CJ needs a rest, let Dame run the team. Like, they're always going to have a guy like that on the court. And I don't know if Denver will always have that type of a guy out on the court.
0: Yeah. um, You worry about, like, Jokic's, like, condition, too. Like, watching him play all the fourth quarter, it was rough. Like They just played seven games. He, like, looked like... A YMCA dude like playing like his fifth pickup game, just like dragging his feet. It's up, hard to up, be seven
1: foot two fifty
0: <laughs> up and down the court. And like if you can get this team into another like long series, like what does that look like uh. for his condition? And like it's been well documented this season. If you get under Jokic's skin, start playing him physical, like he tends to get technicals, he tends to get thrown out of games, like what does that do? Like that gets him out yeah. of his rhythm.
1: And, and if you need a a guy to come in and, and just be a pain in the side. Meet Myers Leonard.
0: <laughs> Please get to know Myers Leonard. He's the complete douche. But I, I hate Myers Leonard. Man, but he, he had some moments on the bench in the OKC series where he was flexing, and I just like laughed out dude, loud. who are you? You don't play.
1: <laughs> he's not playing. He's but, not doing anything. Exactly, but he's just one of those guys. Like he, he's just really annoying, and it's not he's a great defender but man he's there and he, he's a stout guy I don't get me wrong he's he's very well built he's seven foot 245 shredded but at the same time like I don't know what all he gives you outside of like just being a pest to a big man but you're right that could just get under Jokic's skin. Zach
0: Collins also very well could <laughs> get under Jokic's skin like yeah. you have like six fouls with that dude so like just yeah. like take as many fouls as you need and like I think it would be I think it would be all right. I reluctantly have Nuggets and Six in this one. See, uh, I'm saying Portland in an easy six. Did we say our last Oh, I, I said Bucks and 7. Reluctant. Reluctant yeah. Bucks and 7. Yeah, but I uh, I have another reluctant nu- Nuggets and 6. I just think that the Jokic Kanner thing, like center matchup might be just a little too much for Portland to over- overcome especially if Dame or CJ decide to cool down at some point during the series. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. I, I it's just so tough like playing in that elevation, you never know. <laughs> yeah, Portland's not fun to play in either though. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I don't know and Nuggets are weirdly like cold like now yeah. and that doesn't sit well with me either. I might be flipping my pick by the end of this podcast, but for now I'm sticking with Nuggets and Six. <sighs> you ready to talk about the last series toronto philadelphia
1: so i find this one i again i think all these are great second round matchups because this one really catches my eye because mm, we already yeah. saw toronto take game one with ease over philly they just i just
0: did dirty not, things not nice not not tv appropriate no, no. things.
1: went for 45 pascal went for 29 in the game like I think it was what they scored seventy one point or seventy four points on thirty eight shots. Like, like just combined. incredible. That that's stupid. <laughs> and I just I've seen Kawhi now hot for what five straight games, red hot. Pascal's been
0: I mean not quite as good, but on a on a different level. His mid range and like what Kawhi does defensively is just otherworldly like I don't know if there's another player that you can just like point to and say this dude can do everything everywhere on the the court there's very few dudes who can do it even Kevin Durant who were we talking about earlier it's like when he's locked in he can do that Kawhi is like that all the time he just is
1: and and it seems like Philly what their strengths are Toronto is nearly perfectly able to take away yeah, whether that's Gasol and Embiid, or whether that's Tobias Harris trying to overpower Pascal Siakam, <laughs> good luck? Question that, mark? Yeah, um, Jimmy Butler even. Kyle Lowry's a good defender. I may not be the biggest Kyle Lowry fan. Kyle Lowry's a good defender. Like, or if you need to put Kawhi on him for a little bit, that's fine. Yeah. It seems like Kawhi always has enough energy. Like by the fourth quarter, to still score if they need him to still score. He like, just needs oil. That's all you (laughs) need. And then Ben Simmons, like... I I have talked long about how I'm not a Ben Simmons guy. I think he's a wonderful player. I think he deserves a lot of money, and he will make a lot of money over the course of his NBA career. But he's not my guy. He's not the guy I'm betting on or relying on. Because even to close out the Brooklyn series, it wasn't Ben Simmons. It it wasn't him scoring or really taking it to him or playing, like, the greatest defense. It was Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid when he played. That was it, and then it was Ben Simmons. Like, he was a clear step behind those guys in the playoffs, and he still looks like it today.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a concern. That's my note here is, like, what can Simmons do in the half court to really, like, throw the series off to give, like, Toronto some pause? Pause. Um, yeah like what what can you do with Simmons when you have Tobias Harris Joel Bean on the floor at the same time because if you're posting up one of those dudes you have the two other dudes clogging the line you can't like if you get Tobias in the post you live with that like you just do like if that's Kyle Lowry on Tobias Harris okay who Mark Gasol is going to come over and help like, it's, yeah. it's just, like, it doesn't equate. There's no space. Exactly. So, at the end of the day, like, that's why I have to go with
1: Toronto. I'll give them six. I, on some level, I think Joel Embiid is just that good. And I, I still don't fully trust Toronto, even though I really like them in these matchups. I'm taking Toronto in six because Philly might... I guess Philly will get one at home, maybe even take game five in Toronto... But I I really
0: don't feel confident in Philly. Like we were saying a couple weeks ago, just don't bet on Philly. Just don't bet. Yeah. Don't do it. I have Toronto in five. I have the men and gentlemen's sweep, honestly. Like winning these first, these two home Toronto games and just taking care of business once yeah. in, in Philadelphia and then coming back and closing it out. Those games might be close from here on out, but I just don't see. An equation where Philadelphia wins this game, wins these six games, and, and ends up taking the series.
1: I feel like the reason I want it to go six games, though, in Toronto to knock them out in Philly, is just to hear the overwhelming amount of booze <laughs> that'll rain <laughs> down
0: over Joel Embiid. Could you imagine Ben Simmons like going into Philadelphia and close out or like in a potential closeout game and putting up like seven points?
1: I could, oh, I could see it so hard and just. The, the Philly fans just going full Philadelphia yeah. on him. The complete opposite of brotherly love will be raining down. <laughs> they booed Santa him. Claus. Do yeah, we need to talk about there, that again? There's nothing else. <laughs> like, they were getting booed in game one when they were playing Brooklyn. Like They'll get booed for anything and yeah. on some of like that pressure that's just been mounting all year, I just, on some level, as a Boston fan, this is not um, a subjective person right now. So I, this is just, I want... All that to just come crashing could you, down at once.
0: Could you imagine the riots in Philadelphia if Boston moves on to the Eastern Conference finals while Philadelphia gets set home in, a, in the second round again? Back to back years. Even though this is their only second run with this team, yeah. like what? Uh, the expectations
1: are different this year. You can't make the moves you make and then get bounced semi easily in the yeah, second round. Exactly. I don't care if it's Toronto or anyone else. You can't do that.
0: Right. Um uh, but I I don't know. I don't really see an easy path for Philadelphia in this series. Yeah. End of sentence. I th- I think that's just it's going to be a rough series for either for Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and like those are the dudes like you need to win the series to yeah. to be successful. Matt <laughs> Game of the week series we're looking forward to this week. Who you got? So mine is game two, Boston
1: at Milwaukee. It's Tuesday, April 30th at 7pm Central Time. So that'll be nice. Can actually watch it without feeling like I'm ruining my sleep schedule. (laughs) Um... I'm picking Boston 124 to Milwaukee's 119. Um, Which game is this? Is it game two? Game two, because it's still in Milwaukee. Yeah. I, I say that with not a lot of confidence. I think it'll be a much closer game than, than game one was from start to finish. Part of me is just... I, I typed this before even Boston won game one, though. So, I, I'm just feeling that good about it. Now, that could easily be flipped. That could easily mean Milwaukee comes and wins one or two in Boston yeah. and three and four. I don't feel great about like predicting this series at all, but I'm going with Celtics Bucks game 2 taking Boston by 5.
0: It's a bold choice. It's a bold That's choice. Fine. Uh I think that's a that's a good series to look for. Fun fun game to watch. Uh, mine is game three. I'm jumping way ahead to a series that hasn't even started yet. Matt. And I'm Love jumping it. ahead Love it. Uh, to game three of the Nuggets Trailblazer series. Uh, Nuggets at Blazers. This is the first game in uh, Portland. So in the yeah. what Moda Center. Modest yeah, Center, mobile. whatever it's called, uh, on Friday, May 3rd at 9.30 p.m. Central. So, it will wreck your sleep schedule. That's fine. A little bit, but it's on Friday night, so it works out. I think I got the Blazers in this one, 115 to the Nuggets, 108. Uh, I think it'll be a split both ways in the first four games. So, one and one each. And then game five and six will be the deciding games. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um Yeah. This is a fun podcast. Playoffs are fun, I think. Meaningful Str- basketball. Stressful, but fun. <laughs> Meaningful basketball, yeah. It's not stressful for you anymore. You're right. I, I just get to watch now. <laughs> well, I'm dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt, poor Matt's got his, I, I think, just like, there's, there's no more tissues left in the box. There's not. It's,
1: one, <laughs> it's the allergies, but also it's the, the slow heartburn that the Celtics like, just inflict
0: <laughs> on me. What do you mean, Jalen Brown playing defense doesn't doesn't just bring you peace and sometimes, joy? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know it just it really gets me going. But lively, lively, yeah. Uh, that's all we got for you this week. We'll we'll be back next week. We won't take another load management week. Uh, at least we think so. I don't know. Our allergies might tell us differently. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been a blast. Another podcast episode twenty six. We made it this far. Half <laughs> half a year. I know. It's been half, a long time. Half a year. How about that? Um, thank you so much for listening to the Couch GM Podcast. Remember to find us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod, uh, and you can also find us if you haven't yet at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, and uh, leave us a rating if you would. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back next week. Without looking at